All right. Well, thank you for joining us on our Confident in Christ podcast. All month long, we're talking about the Word of God. And this week, we wanted to spend some time thinking about the power of God's Word and some various topics related to how we come at the Bible, how we understand it, which parts are God's Word. Is it all God's Word? Are there hierarchies of God's Word? So I'm going to start off by asking Stacy to maybe share a scripture with us and some thoughts about God's word that he and how he communicates to us through it. Sure. So one of the key verses or ver- that we were looking at when we were diving into the topic was 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. It says, all scripture is given by God and is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives, for correcting faults, and for teaching how to live right. Using the scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable having all that is needed to do every good work. And I don't know about you guys, but just that last part too, just that that the person who serves God, if you have the scriptures that you're capable, you can do every good work just through your your use, your knowledge of the Bible. And to me, that's comforting. It's like, so it's like a breath of, of relief. Like, okay, I know, I know what I need to focus on. So one of the things that it reminded me of was just the power of God's word of him speaking. And so it took me back to Genesis 1-3, where it was just, God said, let there be light. And there was light. I mean, just the honest, pure power of God's word and, and how important that is. And then in Psalm 33-6, it says, the sky was made at the Lord's command. By the breath from his mouth, he made all the stars. And so I think that applied across a whole, a whole Bible, the whole book, the power harnessed in his words. And we look at that through the whole Bible, it's just amazing. So it just kind of makes me awestruck. And then I think of it as the word of God is our armor. And so with that, I go to Ephesians 6.17. And so, of course, it's talking about all the armor that we have. But in relation to God's word, it says, accept God's salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so I know as I go into battle daily that that having those scriptures memorized, having that in my heart, that it helps me to um, not only defend myself against any you know, attacks from the, from the devil, but also just encourage other people and use that. And so I just wondered if, ever, if how, do, how do you, how does everybody else use that as the word of God as armor in their daily life? I think about what Paul says about destroying arguments and things that come against us. Mm-hmm. So in doing the battle is to, you know, we need to know the word of God, be in it, and think about where it's intersecting things I'm hearing, things that are contrary to our the Christian beliefs, and allow it to correct even my own thinking. Just like I shared uh, last week about Romans 12, being renewed in our minds, uh, the, the Word of God needs to come in, and and because our thinking can get so off as we adopt just just wrongheadedness, lies we we accept, and so I think that I look at it like like the the sword of the Spirit. Comes in and and chops up maybe some bad arguments, some bad some things that we accept as true that really aren't. So so I I think for me, letting it come in and and correct my thinking. And I'm the same way. It seems like I'll be in a situation and and a certain verse will come to my head, and I won't be able to tell you where it's at. I can't give you the reference, but I've I've read it and it it brings to mind, and it's like God brings that to my heart at that time where it's useful for that time. And I do think that the caveat there is that I have to be in the Word. <laughs> in order to use it, I have to know it and I have to be in it so that it can that people can bring it to my mind later. 
so the other piece in that is is obviously the power in in us using in our daily lives is armor but then as it is alive and so hebrews 4 12 says god's word is alive and working and it's sharper than a double-edged sword it cuts all the way into us where the soul and the spirit are joined to the center of our joints and bones and it judges the thoughts and feelings in our hearts so that kind of reminds me of what you were talking about is you know as we have those thoughts then that, that can kind of pierce through but i love the concept that it's it's not just we read it once and, and it's done but that it's alive it changes with us it, it it doesn't change its message but it's like we see it anew we see it afresh it's alive and it's it just serves us as we move on and as we grow in our walk you know staying in the word you know finding a new daily verse and getting into you know different verses and applying them to your lives and as Stacey said it's a double-edged sword and it renews every time you read it over and over again but I feel like we have those verses that I mean we don't give enough credit to where you know it may not be the most biggest pivotal point in our life, but it's something we definitely go back to when we look and we find comfort in. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And so that verse helps me when when I don't understand <laughs> that that that's okay. I, I have to just trust him. Um, Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you. And then also just cast, casting your care, cast your anxiety on him. And how that changes is, you know, at first I was like, you know, yeah, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to fear. But then the word cast, just one word, you cast, you throw that anxiety. And so, and so the power of God, as we see it through Old Testament versus New Testament, you know, as Christians in 2021 now, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's 2021. Um, how, how do we, how do we do the Old Testament versus the New Testament and the power of that? That we can get from that. Do you think some people just rely more on the New Testament? Do you think the old do they, do they think the Old Testament isn't news for us anymore, or relevant? So so Old Testament is super is still important, mm -hmm. still relevant today. And if we look at a central theme, and and, and y'all can disagree with me, I think Old, Te old Testament, New Testament, the the same thing they we have is that God is love. Mm -hmm. And so whereas in the Old Testament, I see where God is trying to be in relationship with us. He's trying to show us that love and we stray and he brings us back and we stray and he brings us back. Uh, and he shows us that he's He's constant. But in Isaiah 53, 6, we all have wandered away like sheep. Each of us has gone his own way. But the Lord has put on him the punishment for all the evil that we have done. And so it talks about God's mercy. It talks about how we've all sinned. It still talks about his love. And then in the New Testament, that 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 idea of Jesus showing us how to live out that love, mm -hmm. that not only we have that, but, you know, how do we share that love with other people so that they come to know God? There, so there is a tendency for a lot of people to disconnect the Old and New Testaments, though, as Old Testament's irrelevant. And so there was, I think, Andy Stanley, pastor at North Point Church, not long ago, raised some eyebrows and i think his phrase was the church needs to decouple from the old testament well, the problem with that is the you know the verses that you read at the beginning second timothy 3 says all scriptures god breathed profitable for teaching correcting training rebuking and jesus quoted the old testament that's what he battled satan with and i think that's a dangerous thing for us to have a low view of the old testament it's still profitable for us. Again, I, I mean, I, I would, I would say yes. There's a lot of stuff I read in the Old Testament that some days I just go, uh, uh, there's slim pickings in this pasture for me today. But yeah, down the road maybe there's some little something there. But but it's still 
is God's word. And you were talking about what is the theme across them. I actually read an interesting quote, a guy named Graham Goldsworthy. He said that he believed that the one theme in the Bible that carried across Old Testament, New Testament is God's kingdom. God establishing his kingdom. So really that's, and we talked about this last month, about trying to understand the Bible and how it's moving and what it's doing. But there's that one theme, I think, and I think that's a valid argument, that the theme is God's kingdom. God is love. His kingdom is light and it's love and it's joy. But it's we're seeing his working in various ways. And then it all comes into greater relief in the New Testament, and then as it looks forward in Revelation, I, I say it's in greater relief, but there's still some obscurity there because, I mean, Revelation is an apoc apocalyptic book. It's a, it's not written to, to tell us every nuance. It's to painting big pictures. And so we can look forward at the final fulfillment of, of God's kingdom that began. But but I, I don't know. I think it's dangerous to, to, as Andy Stanley said, and he got a lot of flack over that, and rightly so, to decouple from the Old Testament. That's interesting. So I think of the the New Testament and how, like you said, Jesus refers to the Old Testament. So he says the scriptures say, and so in the red, the red words, the red letters in the New Testament, Jesus is referring us back to the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And I also love how I, I'm, I'm always surprised at how much I learn, <laughs> you know, because I think of the New Testament for, for new believers, it's kind of easier to, to digest, easier to understand. But when I go back to the Old Testament, I study it, the revelations that I have in it even. Um, of different things that have come up, even in, in some of the Bibles or some, some of the books that you think of as being kind of dry, but reading Genesis again. See, I think, I think Genesis is, is really, particularly today, is the one that uh, is, is, is under most pressure. Uh, you know, science is really looking to disprove. I feel like if they can disprove Genesis completely, then they can disprove them. Then we've shown the, the Bible's a bust. And uh, I just think the shoe's on the other foot. It goes the other way. The more we uh, find out about creation, the more we realize, holy moly, how much of the Bible lines up with science. It, uh, it, it is a, it's an amazing thing when you really look at it. And maybe that's something we'll talk about, you know, in future uh, weeks or months. But I, I just, the, the more that I, 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 I'm happy to have those conversations because I think, I think, I think we got the goods. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, uh, so that's a, that's a fun place, fun place to be uh, in in, the, in that discussion. I think you're right, and I, I think that sometimes things that we is like new science or new psychology or whatever. It's it's almost it makes me laugh because it's like the Bible already said that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we already knew that God already already had told us that. It's just somebody else reworded it or rephrased it or, or put it in a, a new spin on it. Back to and this, I don't, I don't mean for this to be controversial. <laughs> I'm wondering, in, you know, if somebody says, you know, what part of the Old Testament do we need to be careful about? It makes me wonder about the whole New Covenant and as far as being legalistic. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that, it was so in the Old Testament about following these rules and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. And, and I, yes. And so, you know, man putting a lot of those, you know, and so when we talk about the New Testament and that, it makes me wonder if people look at that in the light of, we're not supposed to be so so legalistic anymore. That that's that changed when Jesus came. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is the important point to make is 
you don't read the Old Testament the same way you do the New Testament. I mean, the Bible's progressively revealing God's work, and we are New Covenant, New Testament people. So traditionally, and Baptists would be one to say, and I could point you to some preachers who go, I'm going to preach 99.99% out of the New Testament. But I don't disagree with the Old Testament, but there are some, you know, Bible interpretation, hermeneutical things that we certainly need to come to the Old Testament and say, you know, every everything that, for instance, I read uh, with the golden calf episode, Moses is up on the mountain and they make the golden calf and they come down and Moses is like, all right, gather up if you're with God over here and we're going to kill everybody else. You know, is that a command for us today? <laughs> no, no, there are certainly ways that we read that. And, and and just because it's the word of God, I mean, we need to take care. And that's where we've been talking about not lifting things out of context, understanding the time. So so how is that the word of God to us today? Yeah, if we don't open our book and say, yep, yep, the command is the kill calf, everybody who worships the calf. Right, but the golden <laughs> calf is still there, right? Like it's still like, what are we putting before God? Y- yes, it's a principle. We're looking at it more in principles, yeah. but but certainly there are some things that we do need to be very careful of the way we we interpret. I, I've heard uh, I've heard some a humor uh, from one of the Jewish uh, fellows that I I listened to, and he said, yeah, you know, in Hebrew, the that word literally means you know to wrestle with God. That's the that's the interpretation of that. And they're the chosen people. And one of one of the inside jokes there is, yeah, we're the chosen people. Would would somebody else like to be the be the chosen people just for a little while, please? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a little rough for the last six thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I get uh, get uh, tickled at the uh, at the Old Testament side of that. And uh, yeah, so there are some commands there that certainly we're not as New Testament Christians meant to obey. That they were to obey as a nation, as a particular time in redemptive history. Again, we need to have a a uh, well-developed understanding of how to read the Bible in the different portions. Even like Revelation is a, it's a different literary genre. It's a, an apocalyptic book that, you know, you have to look at that and go, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, a, a, a command to the church at Ephesus, is that a strict command to me or is it a principalized command that I apply and let the spirit work? And, uh, but, but you know, there are things that, Obviously, we take symbolically or we look at it and we go, um, not sure what to do with that. So even in the New Testament, we have those interpreted challenges. We need to be aware of author's intention, what kind of literature it is and all of that. I stop to say as Christian, we just have to admit that sometimes the right answer is just, I don't know. Yeah. And God will know in the end. Because, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the Jewish people, I mean, they heard the prophecy for their entire lives. They memorized it by heart. But I mean, they still, when they saw Jesus, they did not believe that he was God. So some didn't. Some didn't. Right. Yeah. But there was some. There was many that didn't believe that he was still God. So I mean, you know, they memor they memorized it. They mm-hmm. could seek it by heart. And I don't think any at this table can quote the entire Old and New Testament. So, you know, going to the Book of Revelation, I think that it's one of those books that we. I mean, we can hear it and we can, you know, understand it and read it. But I don't think we'll really know how it's going to fold out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And is it written to, for us to know every detail? You know, probably not, or it wouldn't have been in such symbolic language. So Job 36, 26, God is so great, greater than we can understand. 
Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, the Lord says, My thoughts are not like your thoughts. Your ways are not like my ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, these are in Romans eleven thirty three. Um, yes, God's riches are very great, and his wisdom and, and knowledge have, have no end. No one can explain the things God desires or understand his way. Those things bring me comfort because it releases me from having to understand it all. Last week's discussion, that was one of the one of the things is we uh, we we want things to make sense on our terms. And John, like you were saying, sometimes it's it's okay to just say I don't know, I don't know. You know, uh, this thing is written across written to have meaning across time, and maybe this is not your time for that meaning, uh, or maybe the meaning for that time was two thousand years ago, and it's not as applicable today. Things if the revelation is is happening over time, and so uh, we 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 do know more now than we did before Christ came, and the expectation is different now than it was before Christ came because Christ came. Yeah, yeah. I can't exactly tell the book or the chapter, but I remember a part in the Bible when I think it was the disciples that cast out a demon in Jesus' name, and it's in Jesus' name. They say, we, because in Jesus' name, the power has, the name has power in it. You, like, think about it. The Bible has, like, the power, because it is all God's word, and it all has power in it. So if you really think about all the amount of power put into the words and the power from the words and that were created from the words. So, John, that would, that would be Luke 4, 35, where Jesus commanded that evil spirit, right, in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And so Philippians 2, 9 through 10, so said, So God raised him to the highest place. God made his name greater than every other name, so that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And so when we talk about power, power just of the name of Jesus. I think it's a great thing to remember that all words have power, but how much more God's word has great power. He speaks things. And they happen. And today, as we come to the Word of God, the Bible, uh, there's still a great power to change us. And I appreciate the discussion. Thank you for joining us today on our Confident in Christ podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church, Valley Springs, Arkansas. I hope you'll join us each week as we discuss various topics from the Bible. And if you're in the Valley Springs area, I hope you'll join us for church on Sundays, Sunday school at 930 and worship at 1030. Have a great week.